Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, interesting time in sports. I'm not sure how much sleep a lot of our listeners got. Great <laughs> Twins game yesterday. Great gopher game yesterday. Oh. We will not have P.J. Fleck. They flew back after the game. We're going to let them sleep this morning. But you can bet we're going to talk a lot about it. Derek Falvey of the Red Hot Minnesota Twins coming off a great victory last night joins us right now. Sid? How much do you think your hitting coach has got to do with all of this uh, home runs and extra hitting this year. He was you know, with I, the I, Yankees for a long time, and he had a lot to do with Judge, and I know that. Tell me that. You know, James is somebody who we think very highly of. You know, someone that uh, a few years ago when we got him over here with the Twins, we talked about his approach to development of hitters and and really continued consistent approach with all, whether it's a young player, a veteran player, he, he individualizes the approach to that guy. So I think that he'd be the last person to take any credit. That's just who he is, and that's why we, everyone loves him. But you know, he's done such a good job creating an environment where each hitter can thrive and be the best version of themselves. He's not overly mechanical. He's not overly uh, you know, approach-based. He, he finds the right blend for each individual guy and tries to get the most out of him, and, and we're really happy we have him. Were you surprised by this uh, penalty for the pitcher? You know, it's it's something that Major League Baseball and the union have, have agreed to in terms of the, the joint drug program. So it, it's one of those um, things that's really out of any, any level of team control. I think, you know, Michael is somebody who's a big part of our, our team and, and, quite frankly, our Twins family. And, and I would say that sometimes family members make mistakes and, and uh, they ultimately uh, can pay a price for that. But you, you don't run from them. And I think that's the way we look at it. You know, we, we recognize that Michael made a mistake. He owned it. Uh, he, he said that he did. You are ultimately responsible for what goes into your body. I do feel for him personally. I, I care about him a great deal. He's pitched great for us, and, and he's been a great teammate. So we'll support him and recognize that Major League Baseball uh, came down and made the decision that they did. And ultimately, he had his suspension reduced, which I think signals you know, in many ways how they viewed this situation as well. Yeah, Derek, interesting times for sure. And, and while you can't comment, by the way, uh, his uh, battery mate Mitch Garver is going to join us at ten forty-five today after that unbelievable game last night. But but what does this do to the rotation when you and Rocco sit down? The only good news is it's September and you got a bunch of call-ups and a lot of arms. But and and, and your your relief core has really become fortified. It looks like over the last uh, several weeks. Strategically speaking, are, are we going to see more games by committee? Are we going to see more what? I think you're you're exactly right, Mike. I think we we feel like the bullpen has stepped up and the guys toward the back get a pitch really well. You see someone like and what Tyler Duffy's done and it we knew what Taylor Rogers had been doing at the back end of games. Sergio Romo's an advanced guy and, and someone who's pitched in meaningful spots you know, for so many years. And then you keep working back from there and you have guys like Trevor May and Tyler Duffy and you know, so many others that have been around here that are really coming into their own, in addition to some young pitchers who come up and really help us, you know, the, the Cody Stashaks and Lewis Thorpes and Randy Dobnax, and I, I could keep going. So I think that that group is going to co- collectively pick up more innings for, for our guys. And I think with Kyle Gibson coming back, and we fully expect he'll be back here 
in the next couple of days uh, and ready to go. We feel like we'll fill that spot with a little bit of an eye toward uh, having some multiple guys go. You saw us in Boston the other night, and we started the game with Randy Dobnak, and then Lewis Thorpe came in right behind him and really gave us a collective good start between those two guys. I could see some more of that as we go especially here down the last few weeks of the season. And every guy steps up. It's a next-man-up mentality on this team, and I don't feel it'll be any different now with Michael uh, out of the rotation. Derek, it's a little early in the morning for a two-part question, but I'm going to try anyway. First of all, uh, injuries, you mentioned that uh, you should get Gibson back, but you know there were there were times in the last couple of nights, uh, you know, Gonzo and Buxton, Dyson, Cruz, Adrianza, all not available. You've had to have some patchwork uh, you, uh, lineups out there, and coming on that and when we might get them back. And then the second part is Rocco's use of his bench uh, and his, his reserves. I think specifically you could say that Astadio and, uh, and Wade came in in really almost game-changing situations and both came through perfectly. Yeah, I think, you know, it, the, really the first question does lead into the second question for, for, a, lot of, for a lot of big reasons. You know, our injuries... We face adversity. Every team does. So no one's, no one's going to feel bad for you when you do. But I think we face more than our fair share in the last month of baseball. And our guys just keep stepping up, whether it's, you know, Byron going down and some other guys like Jake Cave stepping up and, and really being a, a big part of things over the last month. Jake now has, has since kind of dealt with a little bit of tightness in his groin. So we've, we've stayed away from him the last couple of days. This has not been easy for Rocco uh, at all. And I think that's what's pretty special about our group is that everybody believes it's a next man up mentality. You know, when Williams Estadio takes a pinch hit in Fenway Park in a big spot the other night and drives in a run, or he does what he did last night you know, to get on base. And then Jonathan Scope steps up right behind him and with a big hit, ultimately leading to Mitch's outcome. I think that this team, we haven't been a, a rely on one man kind of team. And I don't think that'll change over the last few weeks. We'll lean on one another every night. Somebody else has a chance to go win a game for us. And, uh, right now, while we're dealing with some of that adversity, and we'll probably deal with more as we go, we need other guys to step up, and they've been doing just that. Why is this weight playing? They got to run for him. He can't get a hit. <laughs> What's the reason he's playing? <laughs> well, I think I think I, I, I disagree with you around Lamont. I, I think he's a guy that he right now he's taking really good at bats. I think, you know, we've talked about Louis Arias a lot over the course of the last couple of months at the big league level, and Louis has such a good feel for the strike zone. I don't think Lamont's much much far off from that in terms of his awareness of the strike zone, and I, that's why you're seeing you know, his on-base percentage right now, I think, is above league average because of that, because he's really taking good at bat. And at the end of the day, we need base runners. We need guys to get in the game. Uh, Lamont's somebody who's a young hitter. He's growing. He's developing. But it really speaks to the last piece, which is when you have and when Byron's been down for a period of time and then uh, Jake Cave having his issues, you know, we need other guys to step up. He's a, he's a good outfielder. He's a young hitter. He has a good approach. Uh, he'll get a hit here soon, but I think the fact that he's got uh, he's gotten on base as much as he has is a, a pretty good testament to the way he the way he approaches every at-bat. Derek, Jose Barrios, obviously, particularly given the situation right now, you'd love to see him step up and be a one or two guy, and he struggled some. I, I keep hearing it's not the velocity, it's location. What can you do between starts with a guy like that to try to get him on track? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, Wes Johnson and I were talking just the other day, and he's so, you know, Wes is so optimistic about Jose and what he's doing and seeing the work between starts. I think he went through a dead arm period that we, we saw. We saw a little bit of dip in the velocity. We've already seen that rebound. So that alone uh, is a positive. But I would say that in his bullpens and the way he's throwing now, getting back to, to where he needs to be, Wes keeps saying, you know, he's just a small tweak in, in really being able to execute maybe more like seven to eight out of 10 pitches rather than five to six out of 10. 
to make sure he gets to those spots. Because at the big league level, you miss spots as a pitcher. That's just reality. But if he can get more into that 70 to 80% range, which I think he's creeping closer to, he can avoid those moments where, uh, you know, big moments stand out. I think the other night in Boston, you know, Mookie Betts, who's a great hitter in the big leagues, uh, jumped him twice and, and really accounted for the vast majority of the damage that night. So I think he's close and not quite there yet, but I would expect in his next start and the next subsequent starts, uh, you're going to see a lot more of what we need out of Jose down the stretch. Derek, my morning for two-part questions. First of all, I want your reaction to the play with Rosario throwing the runner out at the plate in Boston. A play that uh, will, when they do the season highlights will definitely be part of it. And then second, any chance at all if these outfielders don't get healthy that you would toy with the notion of bringing up Kirilov? You know, I, so the first part, uh, Rosie, I, you know, was in the ballpark and, and right next to the dugout uh, in the seats there. And what I could tell when the ball went up, you're, you're just hoping it, it doesn't get high enough in that wall, you know, where, where it's going to be <laughs> problematic. It's a really tough place to score from first base because of that wall and how close it is. Uh, and so Rosie played it perfectly, you know, a great turn and throw. And I could tell the ball was going to beat him. I could see that as it was going down the line. I just didn't know it was online. I had a bad, I had a bad, uh, angle to tell whether or not I was going to go to the catcher, but when Jason uh, saw the one hop and I could see it, that was an incredible play and a, a huge moment, so I think Rosie stepped up big. And, and you're asking a little bit about our outfield depth. You know, I think that Alex has had a really uh, nice year. He's, he's continued to progress. He's a good young hitter. We, you know how we feel about him for the long term. I think we're, we're focused on him finishing up there in Pensacola and, and, and not necessarily uh, focused on where he fits right now at the Major League level, but we, we never rule anything out, as I've, I've said all along. We'll talk about things internally, but he's battled some injuries through the course of the year. He's, he's dealt with some of that. So I think that he's somebody that we want to really pay attention to because he's an important part of the, the long term of this team. you got to be happy with Sano. You know, he's hitting home runs, but he's getting a lot of other hits, and he is striking out too much, but uh, he's doing a good job. No doubt. Miguel Miguel is somebody that I think we've talked so much about over the years in terms of his ability and raw talent. And I think he's a guy that, as he's progressed, he continues to put his body in a good place. He's, his swing gets better. I think what really stands out that's impressive to me is his ability to lay off a right-handed sliders right now out of the zone or just on the edge. I mean, his, his command of that is, 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 has improved immensely over the last 12 months, and, and that has shown up. In, in his walk rate. You know, he's, he's getting on base more consistently. We know he can drive the ball out of the ballpark. That ball he hit in Boston the other night is about as far as you can hit a ball. So I think that he's a guy we know we can rely on in the middle of the lineup. He's going to have strikeouts. There is some swing and miss that does come with high power profiles at times, and, and we recognize that. They've gotten better. He, can, he makes good decisions, but we recognize that he's a guy who can change the game with one swing, and we want to make sure we maximize that, that strength of his. Mr. Favre, always a pleasure. To have you on the air, and for being on the air, we'll send you a certificate to Murray, the best steakhouse in maybe the world. Thanks for having me on, guys. Have a great time. Thanks, Derek. <laughs> Thank you, Derek. I'll uh, take a quick break here. Flip Saunders will join us right after this. Sports Huddle, Sid, David, Mike. Welcome back, Sports Huddle. Mike, Max, David, Warner, Sid Hartman, the place you come to hear all the newsmakers. With us on a weekly basis, and we spread it around. But we get the biggest names in sports every week, including Timberwolves head coach Ryan Saunders. Ryan, this is an interesting time of year. One of the things that you've done um, this summer and into the fall is spend a lot of time either if guys are here or going to and meeting with guys as informal as a dinner with Josh Akogi in Toronto or uh, wherever it is. What has that been like, and what's, what's that game plan? Is that just building a relationship and yeah. trust? Yeah, first off, thanks thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, always enjoy it. 
Um, but yeah, no, exactly that. Uh, the, one, one of the big things, uh, you know, I think that, that Gers and myself and, you know, the rest of the organization, um, have really wanted to put an emphasis on is the relationships and is the, uh, sustainable, um, culture building, uh, of our team. And, and with that, you know, something that, um, you know, I learned from my dad and I, I, I have always felt is very important is to, um, you know, try to lay the groundwork in the summer, um, and make sure you care about the, the person before you care about the player. And with that, you know, understandably, we, you know, obviously need to translate onto the court, but, you know, it kind of was one of those things that, hey, if somebody was playing for their national team or if somebody had a charity event that meant something to them, um, really tried to make the effort, even with a, you know, newborn baby, um, try to make the effort to get out and see them. And, and my wife has been great with that. And she's, uh, she's actually been able to visit, you know, a couple of those guys too to really, um, hit, you know, force, force, reinforce the, uh, the family atmosphere we want to have. There's Mr. Sander, Don, how many of those your guys are working out now, and how soon will Wiggins and uh, and the big guy come in and work? Yeah, I mean it's uh you know we we don't start camp until um you know I, I believe September 30th um right right in that that area is uh, media day and, and reporting um but you know we we had a, I believe we had close to 13 guys last week. Um, in town, um, which is great. And I mean, they're in town for, you know, for the remainder of the season. Um, so it's, uh, we were working out, um, you know, these guys play, they, uh, their voluntary workouts. So they play, you know, do their, their, their individual work. Um, we'll try to introduce some concepts to smaller groups. Um, and then, you know, these guys will play, you know, kind of open run where they get to know each other and they, they can learn how to communicate with each other too. Um, but you know, we expect, uh, we expect more guys in this week. So um, we're hoping to help and get more and more guys that we can really, uh, re- reinforce our concepts. Ryan, what's, uh, Covington's uh, status? Is he fully recovered? Because, uh, Timberwolves fans are just barely getting to know him and appreciate him in January. And then he was gone for the rest of yeah. the season. Yeah, I mean, I, I tell you what, I, I wish uh, wish I had a chance to coach him because he's he's a heck of a talent. Uh, you know the way he defends. Um, he always just you know he he raises the level uh, of intensity for the group, and um, he's uh, we're expected expecting to have him back uh, fully um, with training camp. So he's um, he's been participating uh, through our workouts, and um, he's he's looked great. Ryan, these guys are like machines nowadays, professional athletes in general. Um, you know, the way they take care of their bodies in the offseason compared to, you know, you used to hear about the guy that didn't pick up a ball until September and all that stuff. That doesn't happen anymore. What, what's a week like for these guys? Because they've all got, uh, first of all, they've got personal trainers. And do you ever have to worry about that being in conflict with what you're, what you're trying to teach them? Yeah, you, you, I mean, I guess you think about it, but, you know, a lot of these trainers are very, very talented in what they do. And they, um, you know, they, they work on other things with these guys in terms of, you know, whether it be, um, more individual type offense, uh, which, you know, you always, as a coach, you don't want players to fully rely on that, you know, the, you know, one-on-one moves and isolation, um, things like that. But you understand that that is part of the game, uh, with their talent. So, uh, I, I believe in a, in a steady, steady balance and all of our guys have, um, you know, who do work with, with personal trainers in the summertime have been very, um, aware of, you know, hey, let's be, be around the team too so we can get our concepts in and get, you know, our style of play in, uh, reinforce our shot selections, our emphasized shots and our defensive, um, principles, uh, so that, you know, we, we get balance of everything. So these guys have been great. How much was the guy you got from Philadelphia? 
who was hurt all last season. Oh, yeah. you asked it already? Uh, well, yeah, no. Talk I, about I'll, I'll, I'll a couple answer, of these yeah. new guys you got that can really help you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, and that's that's a good question, Sid, because you know I think a lot of a lot of guys that a lot of people might not necessarily know um, a lot about the new guys we we do have, not just our rookies, but also the guys that we've um, signed or traded for. But we, you know, we like to think that we have a number of guys that are you know reflect who we are too as a, as a front office office and as a coaching staff in terms of being a younger group that is hungry, and we understand we have something to prove. And uh, with that, you know, we, we don't want to shortcut things. We don't want to skip steps. Um, and we understand that, you know, we have to, we have to go through, um, you know, the daily grind to get better. And I think we got a lot of guys that, you know, whether it be Jake Lehman, Noah Bonley, um, Jordan Bell, um, Shabazz Napier, guys who have had good stints in the NBA, but now we really want them to see if they can take a, take a next step and we can find great pieces to be around our, our, our core who's been here. Ryan, uh, we, you talked about this a little bit. We didn't get a chance to see your draft picks in Las Vegas. Did you see anything in Las Vegas that intrigues you in terms of team depth? Yeah, yeah, and I think the I think one thing people can take from from that too is that you know Jordan McLaughlin and, and Keelan Martin are two way guys um, that will split time, obviously, with uh, the Minnesota club and, and the Iowa club. They, uh, you know, those guys were were guys that just came came to summer league to be a part of our team. Where they weren't necessarily promised any type of, you know, contract, anything like that. And, you know, seeing, using that for example, seeing that type of depth that, you know, those guys had very productive summers. Um, you know, we wanted to get them in, into our program. And then you see a guy like, a guy like Nas Reed, who, um, really, I mean, I, I, I was very vocal on feeling that he, he should have made the all tournament team, uh, down there. Um, but, you know, that's a whole nother conversation, but he, uh, he was, uh, you know, he, he deserved that. And I, I feel that when, when somebody deserves something, you know, especially a player who's worked hard and who's, who's, you know, rose to the occasion against the challenges that people may, may have said coming into it, um, with him not, not getting drafted, um, you know, uh, we were very impressed with Nas. You got a new coach in Iowa. Uh, you, we keep hearing that that might be used more guys up, down, two-way contracts, all that as the NBA moves forward. Uh, wh- what do you guys philosophically try to do when you bring in a new coach, and what what, what can yeah. you expect from that franchise? Yeah, and, and Sam Newman Beck. He'll, um, you know, I've known Sam for for a long time. Sam, he had a number of different roles here in Minnesota. Um, you know, working his way from the video room. Um, doing some encore player development, uh, and then also, also, you know, last year he went and he was with Atlanta's G League team as as an assistant, um, and really, you know, really developed a great philosophy that you know when when we interviewed him and we spoke to him, um, his philosophy on the G League and how it should be used aligned exactly to what we um, wanted want this to be. And you know, we one thing I'll, I'll say is that we we want to take out the the wording of sending guys up and down. Um, we just we just want guys to you know play in Iowa or or you're going to go play in Minnesota. Um, try to use that, and I understand there will probably be slip ups with with the norm to be hey well, we're going to send you down to the G League. Um, but you know we we want to make sure that the, the players understand they're going to be running the same system. Um, we, we want it to be the same type of culture, same type of feel, same type of vibe, and uh, Sam will reinforce that. Any of the guys who are. Or at Iowa last year, that you think can help you? 
Yeah, I mean, you, you know, we, we had guys um, split time down there in terms of Kata Bates Diaz. Um, he spent some time down there. Um, and I, I believe right now, off the top of my head, he's the only one. Um, but, you know, we, we, like, uh, we like what Kata was able to do with us um, towards the end of, end of last year. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's going to be uh, – we're going to have a competitive training camp. And we have guys that are fighting, you know, one fighting for roster spots, but also fighting for, um, you know, to be in the rotation, um, starting positions. Uh, so we have a number of, we're going to be competitive. Okay, Brian, what a pleasure to have you on the air. And for being on the air, Mr. Saunders, we will get you a certificate to merge. You can take your lovely bride here, get, get the best take in town. That sounds great, Sid. I appreciate you guys. Thanks, Thanks Ryan. Ryan. All right, All right. Uh, we'll take a quick break here. We'll come back. We're going to talk gopher football. And after gopher football, we're going to be talking to uh, Mitch Garver about uh, his two-home run uh, game for the Twins yesterday. So that's what lies ahead. Stick around. Sports Huddle, Sid, Dave, and Mike. We are back. We're going to talk gopher football in this segment. And just a reminder, gopher basketball coach Richard Patino will join us. That's going to happen at 11.05. Mitch Garver in about 12 minutes from right now. Sid, I know all three of us stayed up till one ten this morning or perhaps even later. Your thoughts on that gopher football game? I dozed off a couple of times, but uh, <laughs> I was there at the end uh, when they won in overtime, and uh, they got to quit all these crazy penalties. I mean, they just for destroyed themselves if they keep that up. But uh, that was a great win. Uh, and no, uh, no, uh, uh, you couldn't stop the team's... Uh, uh, passing game, they just uh, passed. Stopped it pretty well on the last play of the game. Huh? They did a pretty good job of stopping it on the last play of the game. Yeah, their passing game was no good. Passing de- defense, but uh, they won the game. And now put the puts in a pretty good position. I'll tell you what: if they have the same defense against Purdue passing game, they will get killed. Purdue, I watched that Purdue game yesterday, and they just passed, 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 passed. They got a great, great quarterback and some great receivers. Although they, they got beat by last year by Nevada. That was a, right. uh, unbelievable. But uh, they got to get a better defense against a passing game, and they got to quit destroying themselves. Mike, uh, I, I like you stayed up for that whole game. It was just compelling. <laughs> I mean, well, was, how it, many how many plays would have ended that game? Either side, well, I, you, I, you I know, where, where, probably, where it would have been over yeah. if 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 not for a penalty, if not for intercept, whatever it is, one play, either team. About I bet you eight. I bet you there's eight plays that could end it in either team's favor before they ever got to overtime. We talked earlier. I had five written down. I, I wouldn't, eight wouldn't surprise me a bit. But then the Gophers get the fourth down completion, and you couldn't throw a better pass. A machine couldn't have thrown a better pass uh, that the Gophers caught clearly inbounds. On fourth down. On fourth down and a mile to go, and they get the touchdown on it. And then tell me you saw Winfield, because somehow he was not on my screen, and all of a sudden the game is over, and I'm going, 
This is deja vu all over yeah, again. Unbelievable. He, he did it last year, it came out well, from yeah. nowhere, and then he did it last night. And we should probably tell some folks, because a lot of them probably didn't stay up last night, but the, the Gophers went to a double overtime, technically, I guess it is. Yeah, right. Kicked a field goal. Uh, Kid who never kicked a field, never tried a field nope. goal. Nope, and and, uh, and uh, they went for the jugular right away, and they'd had success with it, and it looked like they had a guy open, and Antoine Winfield made an interception to end the game, just like he did last year against Fresno State in the end zone. The same kind of thing. I always look at, and I know you two guys do too, uh, pre-Big Ten, you go, okay, how is this going to play in the Big Ten? And I got to tell you, this conference and the Gophers, it's really hard to tell because they were some of their weaknesses were just exposed last night, and yet they do something. I mean, I mean, they've got three big, four big receivers that can catch the ball. Um, I like the fact that they stay committed to the run, although teams are going to really come up, I think, and play ten in the box that are more physical than Fresno State. Um, and on defense. Like Sid said, they're okay, but I, I mean, Fresno didn't punt very often last night. Uh, but then you look around the Big Ten. Nebraska was had 17 nothing in the third quarter against Colorado and got beaten overtime. Yep. Michigan took two overtimes to beat Army. Uh, Maryland was off the charts beating Syracuse. I got no idea right now in terms of a feel for it. You know, Wisconsin at least looks like they know what they want to be again. Yeah, after the Viking game tonight, I might go online and read some of the uh, um, Nebraska chat lines, because it's always very informative, and uh, they're, they're so high on Scott Frost, and I think Frost was a great hire, but they're 0-2 right now, and a lot of people pick them to, to, to win the West. I think Wisconsin looks terrific uh, again, but, uh, you know, one thing about that Gopher team, they are resilient. They had plays that have just the coaches going to be scratching their heads. That uh, penalty uh, 40 yards away from the play. Yeah, Devers had Devers a penalty that, caught, the, the, that, that would end the game again as well, but absolutely. extended the drive and Fresno scored. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the fumbles, but, boy, I tell you, Tanner Morgan is tough, but you and I talked earlier. I'm not sure what's behind him, and there was a part in the game, brief part in the game where it looked like he was limping, and I'm sure a lot of Gopher fans watched I said, oh, oh, I don't know what happens if they lose him. Sid, it looks like you're eager to get in here. How Go about ahead. the Big Ten history? We just talked about that. Before they beat Connecticut, Michigan, as you mentioned, yep. they lucky to kick a field goal to beat uh, our Army. Uh, Penn State struggled until the, the last quarter. Yeah. Then they beat Buffalo bad. But well, Buffalo looked terrible. Uh, but... Uh, Michigan State looked Big really Ten's, good as expected. Yeah. Big Ten is not doing that great. Well, I think Ohio State looks pretty good. Ohio State looks really good. You know, the other thing, though, when you watch these, you forget this sometimes, when you watch these these quarterbacks at the college level, you, you really, to, to really be good at that position, you need to play a lot of games before you really are coming. Look at Fresno State's quarterback and South Dakota State's quarterback. They're really, they got some really good high-end potential, but they both made some critical mistakes. Yep. Two, Tanner Morgan, same thing. You know, you really are about 25 years old before you're, you'd have to play that long before you have a real grasp of this unless you're Drew Brees or off the charts. And, and, and that's hard. That's hard to ask quarterbacks to do what they ask them to do in the Big Ten. I got a text message here that says, how can you guys call the Gophers a great football team? I'm not sure what station uh, he's been listening to. I do not recall that yeah. term being used. I think the Gophers are a team that's that's good. They're decent. Uh, I think they survive. But then they said, you know, when they play uh, an FCS team like South Dakota State and then, you know, a team that uh, nobody ever heard of, Fresno State. Fresno State last year went 11-2, and losing to Boise State and Minnesota and demolished Arizona State in the bowl game. They're not a bad football team no, with a good coach. A good I think coach, Tedford's you know? a really good yeah. coach. Said final thoughts on the Gophers. How about Nebraska? Getting beat by Colorado. Yeah. They, Nebraska was killing them, and all of a sudden, Colorado went crazy. Final 
find the toss on the Gophers. As I mentioned, they got a defense the best game better. That's well, they're, they're not going to have to do that on Saturday because they, they run. A, if you saw the bowl game last year, that's the offense you're going to see from Georgia Southern on Saturday, and the, the Gophers just shut that down. And one final thought, Dave. I'm not quite sure how to feel about the offensive and defensive lines right now. At times you go, they're right there. At times yeah. you go, ooh, they look vulnerable. Yeah, better, I thought, on both uh, aspects than the week before. But uh, uh, I think I don't want them to take Georgia Southern uh, you know, less than seriously, but I think that's a good matchup. The, the Gophers should do well this coming Saturday. That's a 2 game. All right, we're going to take a break here, and if things go well, we should be talking to the hero of the Twins' uh, victory, exciting victory yesterday, when as soon as we come back. Sports Huddle, Sid, Dave, and Mike. All right, we are waiting for a call from the news driver that should come anytime. What what a game yesterday, guys. Uh, we were all together in the press box uh, the night before, and that was a good game. Didn't have quite the same outcome, but uh, Garver, what a find he's been at catcher, Mike. Uh, you know, Arguably the best hitting catcher in, uh, in the major leagues. Yeah, and he passed up a real batty uh, yeah. for Twins uh, home runs and uh, uh, all that. But he had two last night for yeah. people that didn't catch it. Or uh, he had one in the first inning and then one uh, when it was two to two. And you know, you, you, again, and this has been the storyline this weekend a little bit. Panita gets suspended. Uh, Cleveland's up two to one. You're starting to feel this, aren't you? Just a little of that. Okay, if they win this one and then they get him at home next weekend, all that stuff. And Garver goes deep the other way. And changes the game, and it was it was he's had a lot of moments like that. This team's had a lot of moments like that. Uh, and scope was his triple too. I, I mean, set the stage. But uh, to to see how many times he's come up and hit big home runs this year, not just home runs, has been astounding. Of course, he hit the one that set the record too. That's right. You know, it's interesting. The the Twins fans caught on right away. Puig didn't run the ball out, and the fans reacted to it. Well. Scope, when he hit that ball, thought it was out, and he got a triple on it, but he was in the batter's box for about two seconds after he hit that ball thinking it was going out. And I thought, oh, man, I hope that doesn't turn out to be a key play. But actually, it, uh, uh, he got a lot of room to run when that ball ricocheted off the fence and ran a long distance uh, from the outfield. But, you know, they, they've got some strange lineups out there, but they keep patching it together. Ostadio, that play he made on the third baseline, I mean, who even thinks to dive at the ball and knock it away like that? And, and uh, you know, we talked about a little bit earlier with, with Derek Falvey, but uh, the idea to pinch hit him the other night in Fenway Park. Yeah. I, I, you know, you kind of – I thought, well, Scope must be must have dinged something, you know. No, they just no. played the gut. Yeah. Well, he's a contact guy, and they wanted they yep. wanted somebody who can make contact. But then he took pitches. I uh, said we're still waiting for a call from Mitch Garver here, but he's had a terrific year as a Twins catcher. Hey, Cleveland Club is still plenty dangerous. I mean, you got to worry about them till till the end of the season, and they're not going to fall down and then collapse. Yeah but, just, yeah, but if the Twins play 500 ball the rest of the way, Cleveland's got to win all about two games. Yeah. I want to correct something I said earlier. I said Nebraska is 0-2. Nebraska is is one-on-one uh, right now. So uh, we're expecting to hear from uh, Mitch Garver at yeah. any time, Mike. You know, watching that during night, we were watching that Lindor, man. I, I just oh. love watching that guy play. He hit a 433-foot home run, and it was a line drive. Yeah. But if you're Cleveland, I mean, you're still playing for a wild card, and, and I, you don't want to play him. If they, if they get this pitching thing figured out, you know, Carrasco, if he gives them something, if Kluber comes back at all, uh, they're a well-built team for the playoffs. They got a good bullpen too. It was uh, a good, bull, real good bullpen sitting there, and uh, you know enough guys to hit the ball at the ballpark. That you know, who, when when we get to this postseason thing, it's going to be really interesting. Sid, well, like Cleveland got some injuries. Uh, they got hurt. Uh, lost the third baseman. Lost some other people. Some pitchers. Oh, it's <laughs> the Twins are very lucky. 
All right, it sounds, it sounds like Mitch Carver is uh, joining us. I hear, uh, are we good to go? Oh, yep, say good morning to Mitch Carver. Yeah. He's on. Go. Hey, why are you hitting some more home runs this year than you did last year? There's got to be a reason for that. I said good morning. Yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> good morning. Yeah, we forgot that part. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to hit home runs, Sid. That's, that's what I'm trying to do right now. Uh, and that's how I'm driving in runs, and that's how I'm having so much success. What does that mean if you say trying to hit home runs? Is it a different swing? Is it exit velocity? Is it uppercut? What does that mean? No, I'm just I'm just focused on hitting the ball in the air. I'm just focused on hitting the ball not on the ground. Let's put it that way. Um, basically, I'm trying to find the pitch that I'm looking for in the at-bat and hit it in the air as hard as I can. And, and uh, you know, a lot of the times when you do that, it's a good success uh, formula for doubles, home runs, extra base hits, you know, sac- sacrifice flies, things like that. Easy to focus on on uh, hitting because uh, you broke Earl Batty's record. By the way, congratulations on that. Thank but you. the Twins have also I mean, you've been involved in the Twins have made some incredible defensive plays. How about that and uh, that play in Boston that everybody's still talking about? Oh man, uh, uh, I feel like that ball was in the air for about thirty <laughs> seconds before it hit the green monster. And uh, you know, our, I think everybody's heart stopped a little bit because it's like that happened in slow motion, and then. Uh, ball came down. And I didn't have a great view from the dugout because I was kind of, you know, closer to the like the home plate exit side of the dugout, so I couldn't really see the ball coming in. And all I see is uh, Devers being waved around third, and then I see the ball appear, and it goes right into Stroh's glove, and that was uh, pretty exciting. No, you also broke the record, the team record yeah. uh, for home runs. Personally, you you hit the the, the uh, record breaking home run. How much of that? How does that gear get divvied up now? You got a helmet, a bat, batting gloves. What's the Hall of Fame want? How does it work? <laughs> uh, well, initially they took my batting gloves and my hat. Uh, we're still kind of waiting on the bat because I've been swinging it really well. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if they want me to wait until the bat breaks or, or what, but I'm, I'm still using that same bat that I broke the record with. Sid? You said that you told me several times that your grandfather played a big part. Is he still living? And yeah, talk yeah. about his play and your success. Yeah, no, he's he's uh, still around. And, and uh, you know, it's something I'm very thankful for as somebody who could uh, teach me a lot about the game and, and get me into baseball the way that he did. And uh, he bought me my first catcher's helmet back when I was a very young child, probably eight or nine years old. And, uh, you know, that was a important part of my day, and he always was very supportive and, and bought me a lot of you know new bats or a new glove if I needed it, and, and uh, he was one of those uh, really great inspirations for me. That fast pitch softball you played a little bit, and your family played a little bit too. That that's a game that really teaches you to move your hips quick and get your hands through the zone, isn't it? Yeah, that's kind of how I learned how to to swing the bat. Honestly, uh, my college coach Ray Birmingham was a fast pitch softball player as well, and and to hit those velocities of balls, you have to really have some quick hands. So that's kind of how I learned how to, to do what I do. Mitch, uh, it's how far ahead of time do you find out if you're the starting catcher the, the next day? Do you know the night before or you find out the morning of the game? Uh, sometimes the night before, sometimes the morning of. And you're working with a lot of pitchers right now. You've getting, kind of got this rotation down. And one of the guys, that's really, there are several guys in the bullpen, uh, but two guys I want you to comment on would be Tyler Duffy and Romo. Uh, they've been very effective. What do, what do you see? What's it like to catch them? Well, D- Duffy's been that guy for a long time. And uh, it was just a matter of time before he really found out what he could do best. And I think uh, these past three weeks, as we've seen him throw the ball the best he's ever has. And, uh, you know, he's thrown – 
mid to upper 90s velocity fastball up in the zone, and he's got two really sharp breaking balls uh, that he can bury behind it, and uh, he's hitting his spots when he needs to, and uh, we call him the fireman right now because he comes out of the bullpen and kind of puts situations down and, and strikes out guys when we need him. Uh, the other one is Sergio Romo, and, and he's been really good for us just as a as a teammate and as a pitcher. Uh, he's He's a really good mentor for all of our guys, and I think he's a good presence in the bullpen, but also when he gets in the game, I mean, he's a true competitor. Any impressions of uh, Gratterall so far? Yeah, strong kid. I mean, yeah. I think he's going to be a big piece for this future, and, and uh, you know, we're excited to have him, and it's it's really good opportunity for him to get his feet wet here late in the season and uh, kind of see what it's all about, but we're excited to have him. What do you tell him when he – and you try not to say too much to a kid like that that's just coming up for the first time and has that electric stuff but hasn't been through it, you know, with these professional hitters that grind out at bats? Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it's a very kind of a sticky situation. you got to just let them go out there and do their thing, but at the same time you got to let them know that, uh, you know, we, we do things different around here. We have game plans, and we, uh, we stick to them when we need to, so – uh, this is just a good learning experience for him, and I think uh, he's gonna he's gonna really adapt to it well. Sid, how about uh, how about your your theory about how you strike if trying to hit the first pitch? You do is that true? I'm sorry, what was that? Uh, uh, Sid uh, said it must be a prior conversation about your theory about hitting the first or being ready to hit the first pitch. Oh yeah, uh, I've, I've started doing that uh, more often this year as being ready to hit the first pitch. But uh, you know, I've I've uh, started to see the league a little bit more and, and recognize pitchers and uh, some of the pitches that they have. So uh, when I do get up to the be- uh, box, I'm I'm ready to hit the first pitch or or hit what I'm looking for in that at bat. Mr. Garver, boy, congratulations on a great, fantastic season. And you, one reason this team is playing so good. And for being on the show, we'll send Dustin a murder certificate and you can go have one of the best stakes in the world. Thank you. Thank you very much, Sid. I appreciate it. And, Mitch, we hope that that bat doesn't make its way to Cooperstown for a good long time. Let's <laughs> <laughs> play on that. All right, boys. Thank All right. Uh, we'll be back. Uh, we've got another hour of the show to go. Uh, Viking game day. We haven't talked about that. Richard Patino will join us. He'll be our guest at about uh, oh, 1105, 1106. We'll have a chance to talk go for basketball. A couple of some news on that front. And then Mike's got some uh, Viking guests and things the rest of the way. Interesting game. Viking game today. That's uh, noon today. And the Twins, maybe the range should be over by the time the Twins play. You're listening to Sports Huddle, Sid, David, Mike. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 